0: Oh, good morning, church. It's truly a pleasure to be here. Uh, As Scott said, um, he gave 25 years. I think I'm getting a little older, and I think we're closer to 30, but that's okay. Um, ZPC and Youth for Christ have been about the gospel message together for many, many years, and it is such a blessing for me to be here and to really have a homecoming with you guys. I just love being in this church and with you all. So we're gonna spend a little bit of time this morning talking about the first chapter of Acts. But before we go there, I have to warn you about something. I like to live a little bit on the edge, all right? I often hear myself saying, I wonder if this is gonna work out. Oh well, let's, let's find out, let's find out for sure, right? So I tend to kind of push in, all in. And if you, if you get to the point where this is uncomfortable, that's okay, come with me. And I would also say that if I get us to the edge, Danny will get us over it because he is all in. I have never met anybody in my life that is more all in for Jesus than Danny. And so I'm excited that you'll hear his story today. In honesty, my prayer is this, that we will all not want to be the same as when we walked in today, that we would desire something more for our lives. And it's in that way that I'm going to start us off this morning with what's called the Lion Chaser's Manifesto. You might have heard this, but let me read it to you. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death run to the raw, set God-sized goals, pursue God-given passions, go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems, become part of the solution, stop repeating the past, start creating the future. Face your fears, fight for your dreams, grab opportunity by the main and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let let what's wrong with you keep you from worshipping what's right with God. Don't try to be who you're not. Be yourself. Laugh at yourself. Dare to fail. Dare to dream. Dare to be different, quit holding out, quit holding back, quit running away, chase the lion. I'm going to read from Acts 1, verses 3 through 11. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs He replied, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So there's three main things I want us to pull out from this today. The first one is having faith, the obedience to wait on the Lord. The second is that the Holy Spirit can be unleashed in us. And the third is that we need to be about the Father's work. And if you're a follower, a disciple of Jesus, it's likely that you're going to be in a wrestling match with those three all the time, moment by moment. Do we really have enough faith to wait on the Lord? Do we really want to relinquish control for the Holy Spirit, for His way in our lives? And when was the last time I really was about the Father's work? We're all on a journey, but here's one thing I would say, we cannot avoid the questions. I couldn't think of a better way this morning to encourage you than introduce you to my friend Danny. Um, Danny's story is probably not very similar to any of ours, all right? Most of us are not going to have this same story. But the obedience, the spirit being unleashed, and being about the Father's work is for absolutely every one of us. Danny is the City Life director on the west side of town, near west, and he also oversees all the City Life staff around our city. Danny, would you be willing to unfold the beginning of your story from childhood to that end of that first season in your life?
1: Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So I was abandoned as a child. My mother ended up in Norway. My dad, he died of AIDS. He was a drug user. And... um, so the way it turned out is that a family found me inside of a house and brought me to a loving family that cared for me. They loved me and they did the very best that they could to point me in the right direction, to lead me toward success. But there was always a hole, a void in my heart and I never could really figure out where that void was coming from and um, you know, how I got there. And so I grew up in a home that wasn't my own. Uh, I felt rejection. Um, And despite the fact that my mom loved me and did everything that she could for me, I still felt uh, a sense of not being loved enough. Uh, And my my siblings would say things to me like, you're not a part of this family. You ain't blood. And it'll often made me feel like, you know what, I just don't want no part of this. So eventually, it wasn't long before I hit the streets and I made the streets my home. You know why? Because I felt a certain degree of acceptance out in the streets, and so as I am, you know, just learning the code of the streets, as I am engaging, you know, in criminal lifestyle and just made a series of bad decisions that led me to facing 45 years of my life in prison, and uh, you know, just those bad decisions. As I'm sitting in, you know, I'm sitting in a cell, I'm reflecting on my behavior. I knew then and there that something had to change. Mm.
0: Danny, what was the, the part of your story that actually led you to getting arrested? Because, I mean, you made a lot of
1: choices, but
0: what was the thing That's a great question. That...
1: So I'm running the streets, no sense of purpose, no sense of direction. And one day, you know, I'm, I'm on a robbery spree. So I, uh, you know, I'm out on the streets. I I'm, I'm, I'm encounter this individual. Um, unfortunately, I put the gun to his face. I demanded his money, and he resisted. So I began pistol whipping him and blood is gushing everywhere and the guy steps back and he looks me square in the eye and says, may God bless you. Hmm. I couldn't believe his words. His words began rotating relentlessly in my mind as I was sitting in that cell.
0: Hmm. Thank you. You know, I have a hard time, Danny, we've known each other for six, seven years, imagining the Danny of back then because I actually think I could take you right now, right? You know, like, um, and uh, there was a transformation, right? So the Danny that I know today and the Danny that you speak of that is so unfamiliar to me, what happened from that moment that that person said, may God bless you,
1: and then you're in this jail cell. Yes, yeah, so as I'm sitting in this cell and I'm reflecting on this man's words, his words are just rotating relentlessly in my mind. May God bless you, may God bless you. I was so heavily impacted by this man's words that I began to, I remembered the God that my mom taught me about growing up. And I remember getting on my knees, and when I got on my knees, I said, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God. And it was at that moment that I felt a sense of relief. I remember after having weeped, wept, I got off of my knees and for the first time in my life, I felt forgiven. Mm. I felt free. Here I am facing 45 years of my life in prison. I'm literally wrapped around cold steel, yet I felt free. And it was at that moment that God set me free. We know that the word says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that day I was made free. Mm -hmm. And I remember as I, you know, just had that moment encounter with the Lord, I remember moving from that cell into an annex part of the jail. And there were some uh, incredible Christian people that came up to me and asked me if I read the Bible because uh, they saw one of the Gideon's Bibles in my cell. And so, long story short, they invited me to be a part of a Bible study. And, um, you know, after a few days, they asked me if I wanted to give my heart to Jesus. And I said, Absolutely, I'm ready for this. And I remember, um, you know, I said the, the prayer of faith and I had given my heart to Jesus, but I still wasn't convinced. And I said, God, if you are really I need you to speak to me. And I remember I was in Rikers Island Correctional Facility, and I pulled out the Bible, and I got on my knees, and I landed on the verse in Ephesians chapter 4 that it says, those of you who stole, steal no more, but rather work with your hands so you could give to those who have a need. Now, I know that that verse is not a relevant verse for a lot of people, but for me, it became a life verse. It became the verse that God very clearly spoke to me and sh- showed that he was listening to me, that he wanted, you know, to, to do a work on my life. And so it was from that moment on that I dedicated every fiber of my being to Jesus. And he began to pour into me. I just started fellowshipping and get, getting involved with the brothers and studying scriptures. Uh, and, you know, the Lord started to help grow my faith. The more I spent time, in fellowship with the brothers and in worship he started to take me to new heights you know hanging out with brothers in the prison that knew my past they would say things like man I want what you got and I'm like you want what I got they must be talking about Jesus because what I got is messy you know and so Jesus began to work a, a work of my life in, in such a way that the people around me that knew my testimony wanted to taste Jesus themselves and so eventually um You know uh, just before i came home i remember that you know i said god um you know if you want me to come home i need a clear vision and a clear mission for what you would have me to do and i remember him speaking to my spirit and i remember him saying i want you to go back into the same kind of communities that you once helped destroy and start to rebuild them Mm -hmm. and it was from that moment that I just knew that there was a calling on my life. When I think about the story of Paul, as he was on his way to Damascus, his goal was to destroy the church and Jesus knocks him off of his high horse and essentially tells him to go back and build what he was attempting to destroy. And that's when I knew, when the Lord started speaking to me through his word, that there was a calling on my life. That's when I said, okay, God, it's me and you, let's go. And so finally, I'll never forget. I came home, started doing the work of the ministry in our communities. There was a young person uh, named Rick Weaver that came and seen some of the work we were doing in the community. Um, and he said, You need to get down with You for Christ. And I had no idea what You For Christ was. I'd never even heard of You For Christ, let alone knowing that Billy Graham was the first paid staff (laughs) on You For Christ, you know? And so I was blown away by the opportunity, but I didn't wanna let go of my baby. I had a a organization that we were kind of trying to plant in the very beginning, and I felt like the Lord had given me. So long story short, I remember um, saying, God, I, I just can't sustain doing all the work that I'm doing, all the, you know, and, and the ministry as well. So I need some, some clarity on how to move forward. Um, and I remember uh, the Lord saying to me that I gave you this organization called ENGINE Initiative. ENGINE is an acronym for engaging next generations in neighborhoods everywhere. Um, I gave you this as a preparation ground for the next chapter in your life. And I remember after a year of wrestling with that, I walked into the office Um, of Central Indiana Youth for Christ and I met this um, amazing lady here and she pulls out my rap sheet and my rap sheet, if you guys know that printer you know that has the lines that you gotta kind of rip, you guys know what I'm talking about? If you hold it up, it was like, yay, hi. And um, so she's asking me questions and she's, uh, you know, I felt interrogated, but... (laughs) I don't know that she was actually interrogating me, maybe. I don't know. I mean, but, you know,
0: you're working with kids. Maybe yeah. it was okay to ask you yeah. some questions. And so
1: she's, yeah. you know, so I remember um, when she's asking those questions, I said, Allie, I can't remember a lot about my past because I was probably high or drunk out of my mind. But I can tell you about my today and I could tell you about where God has taken me. And at the end of that interview, I remember her saying to me, "Danny, we want to hire you because your story reflects the kind of change we want to see in the life of young people all across the city and across the nation."
0: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I said to Danny, I'm like, I've got about 10 minutes worth of like good stuff. Could you come with me? Because, you know, that'll be way more interesting than anything I have to say. So, Danny, we'll have you come back up at the end uh, to kind of give us a charge as to what the Lord wants for us in this next season. Uh, but we're going to go take that story, right? The story of transformation. There's probably no better story of transformation than the disciples that we saw in the book of Luke, And then the disciples that we see in the first and second chapters of the book of Acts. And if you know, you're obviously aware that the same writer uh, wrote the gospel of Luke that also wrote the book of Acts. And so they probably didn't, they weren't separate, right? There was probably one big long story. But we see this transformation of these, at that point, 11 disciples, they, in the book of Luke, they were cowards. They were in hiding. They didn't, want, they didn't want anybody to know who they were. And then we see in the book of Acts, when Jesus appeared to them for those 40 days, and then the Holy Spirit came, that those same people were now the, the men that were preaching on the streets, that were preaching in the, 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 the uh, temple, the very temple in front of the same people that had asked for Jesus to be crucified, what had happened to them? What had happened to these cowardly men, to these bold men? What had happened to Danny from this person that was really willing to take people's lives to the young man that says, I will do anything for Jesus? I think we see two things. They had faith, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read you verse 4 again. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They had to have faith to wait in obedience for what was really still unknown to them. It probably made no sense that they were gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What is that? What does that mean? But they had the trust to wait on the Lord. In any of our circumstance, we have to trust to wait on the Lord, whether that's in illness, whether that's in relationship stress, whether that's on the next job that we're gonna get, We have to trust that God is doing his part and we walk in obedience to that. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And we're reminded of the great people of faith. Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, they're all mentioned. And think about their faith. They had to have faith In God before the cross they had to have faith in God before the Holy Spirit so how much bolder can we be and how much more faith can we have when we have those two things behind us and we know the truth and the hope of the gospel I think even the story of Acts 1 should be a good reminder of faith in the true power of the Holy Spirit If we were starting a mission venture to reach Zionsville, to reach the city of Indianapolis, to reach Indiana, to reach the United States, to reach the ends of the earth, we would not have started with these 11 people. We just wouldn't have done it. Honestly, it probably was a really bad idea. Verse eight again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The sheer magnitude was unthinkable, let alone these young men. They had a track record of really sketchy obedience. The one that probably stands out the most, Jesus said what, right, in the garden? There's one thing that I need you to do while I go away to pray, and that is, don't fall asleep. And what did they do? They fell asleep. Right? They couldn't even get that right. And here Jesus was entrusting them to take his message of hope to the ends of the earth. They were cowardly, they were impatient, and they were actually socially... Uh, powerless people. They didn't have standing in any community, and yet Jesus chose them. And the moment that you invited Jesus into your life, you received the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit chooses to give us gifts, and he chooses who gets what gifts, but he gives every single one of us his power. And we can live in that truth. So what does that mean for us today, tomorrow, next week? In verse 8 again, it says, you will be my witnesses. Jesus didn't suggest to them, and he doesn't suggest to us. He says, you will. You will be my witnesses. So if we have a problem with that, we need to take that up with God, right? Because he says, you will, there is no choice in that. We're to live out our faith, to share our resources, to tell people about Jesus. I think about, again, when I think about 30 years of being part of this family called ZPC, and I was talking to Betty Sue and Randy a little earlier before we started. Think about the obedience of I'm going to start this thing called the Great Banquet in this community. And thousands, thousands of people know Jesus because you said yes. And that's been carried on by many, many people who are obedient to do the next yes. So what does it mean? Does it mean that I've got to you know, talk to my co-workers? Yes. Does it mean the person I sit next to in school, I gotta risk it and say yes, I'm gonna tell them about this hope that I have? Yes, it does. Invite them, bring them in, share your gifts with them. Because it's our trust in what God is already doing. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up to heaven? Then Jesus said, uh, who has been taken up from you, Then this Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Why do you stand looking up to heaven? That's kind of like us, right? It's kind of like me. Get an education. Get a job. Raise a family. Save for retirement. Unto themselves, they're not bad. But I think God might be whispering in my ear on many occasions Ali why are you standing around? Be busy about the Father's work. Stop looking and get on with it. Faith without works is dead. Jesus is coming back that is great news but what do we do with our time in the meantime? We have to be about the Father's work. I'd love to encourage you in that journey. And I'm going to ask Danny to come back up. We're about to go into this venture at 71st and Michigan. And uh, as Scott said, we've been talking, uh, there's a group of us that are meeting together to map out a, a roadmap to reach the people down at 71st and Michigan, where life is probably not as easy. The resources are not as great, kind of like the neighborhood we live in. Um, The work's likely to be exciting, probably a little uncomfortable, and we're going to need grit. As a person that has abandoned your life to Jesus, encourage us. Can we do it? Can we get out there and really share the hope? Of Jesus to other
1: people? Yes, we can. Okay. <laughs> we can do it together because we don't rely on our own strength. We are empowered by God to go out and make a difference. Jesus, and in, in fact, Paul, let's go back to Paul. Paul in, first, in his first letter to the Corinthians, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And in like fashion, I say to you, follow you for Christ as we follow follow Christ. I look at Christ's example, how he left his heavenly home. He penetrated space and time. He dwelled among the people that he loved and created. He dressed like them. He ate their foods. He stepped into their mess and was willing to do life with them, to speak life into them. And he set that example and that model for us. He built relationships with the people so my charge to you is follow us as we follow Christ and to help make a difference right here on the north side northwest side of Indianapolis thank you
0: you stay up here with me I I know the tendency right the tendency is to say okay he's got it maybe she's got it but I don't got it and I'm going to sit comfortably in my chair Whatever background we have, whatever age we are, whatever resources we have at our disposal, I believe fully God is calling us together to be on mission, like he has for 30 years. And he's saying, take another step, Youth for Christ and ZPC. Let's get it done. Let's share my hope in this world. Let me pray, and then we'll wrap up with a benediction. Father, I pray that you through your Holy Spirit that you have given to us will allow us to understand the power that you have given us, that there is nothing that is impossible if you are in the midst of it and you are calling us to that. So whether it is telling our neighbor who lives right next door, whether it is uh, going down to 71st in Michigan, whether it is going halfway around the world Lord, would you love us enough to invite us into that space so that we can see the glory that you have for other people who desperately need to hear your truth. Lord, let us understand today what gift you have given to us and that we may live in the middle of it. In Jesus' name, amen.